nine straight, the sights, sounds, and nutmegs of a 99-96 win by the Phoenix Suns in Minnesota coming up on Locked on Suns. Network, your team every day. We are back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Brendan Clean, covering the Suns the past five seasons as a credentialed media member. Thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen every single morning. We are free. We want to stay that way. You can check us out on YouTube or your favorite audio platform. That is the best way to keep us free, is to make us your first listen every single day. Follow us on Twitter if you don't already at Locked On PHX Suns, and you can follow me as well. If you would like at Brendan Clean 14 on Twitter as well. Again, a 99-96 win by the Phoenix Suns over the Minnesota Timberwolves. Very, very uncertain outcome until the final moments. Anthony Edwards bobbles a rebound and Jay Crowder retains possession. The Suns are able to come away with a win. They, these two teams saved all of their offense for the very end. So we will get into all of that. We'll talk about the magic of Chris Paul. Only one steal tonight, but continuing to just mess with people, to just literally play with his food, and uh, so we will definitely talk about him, give you my biggest takeaway from this game, and then also close looking a little bit more at Cam Johnson, as well as the bench rotation with Frank Kaminsky um, getting minutes now that DeAndre Ayton is back from his leg injury, but also not many minutes. Talk about that to close the show. Um, Takeaway. Takeaway is, first of all, that the Suns are, uh, if, if we had any doubt, they're reproving to us that they can indeed win any type of game. I mean, that's that's probably the most sort of simple way to put what was on my mind thinking about this game. I mean, Eddie Johnson on the broadcast was talking a lot about the physicality. It's not something I tend to think about when it comes to Minnesota, although this is a Timberwolves team that also played the Suns pretty close last year, so... Maybe there is something to that. I mean, I think Carl Anthony Towns definitely gets up for these matchups. I think he matches up well against DeAndre Ayton. Maybe it's playing Devin Booker helps him out. But this team also was physical. And so I think what Eddie was saying there held true. I mean, this is a Wolves team that got 13 offensive rebounds tonight that forced 15 Suns turnovers. So they they stepped up. I mean, they were not pretty Minnesota by any means, but this this game wasn't pretty in general, and, and they held with it. So they get credit there, and the Suns get credit for overcoming that. But not just the physicality. I mean, this is a game where Cameron Johnson, Cameron Payne, and Jay Crowder were basically all together a zero on offense. Uh, three total made field goals out of those three players, and all of them came from Cam Johnson. Those three guys were one of 13 from deep combined, so, and then you add Mikhail, you could even add Mikhail Bridges in there, who was two of eight from the field, 0 of four from deep. So they overcame bad offense from those players. They figured it out with Cat going off, with uh, Malik Beasley having a streaky but, but relatively hot shooting night. So that's what I mean when I say they're winning every single type of game. And, and I guess that's sort of where I come down is. We didn't worry. I mean, think back to game four of the conference finals. It was a, a complete rock fight. The 
that was probably the crowning achievement of DeAndre Ayton's entire playoff run in Los Angeles. Both teams score in the 80s, and the Suns eke out that victory, basically take control of the conference finals and seal their trip to the NBA finals with that win. So it's not as if a random game in Minnesota on the road during the regular season was much of a test compared to that, but you want to see the challenges and the successes and the achievements come in all shapes and sizes, and this was a different one. The other part of it, though, in terms of sort of winning in different ways and what you can take from a regular season game like this where the Suns really just, at the end of the day, nobody's going to think back to this game and remember the Suns were pushed and tested all that much because we'll really just think of it as they won, right? And and the way you do that is your best players step up. So there are some maybe nitpicks with DeAndre Ayton's effort level and decision-making in this game. His defense was far from perfect. I get Cat is a beast and a, and a complete dog to try to guard, but there were some, some deficiencies there, and there were some uh, questionable post-up inside scoring situations, one of which went viral on Twitter where he did not get the ball in, a, in the post against Patrick Beverly. But in typical DeAndre Ayton fashion, you look up, and yet he still has 22-12. and 12. So obviously a tip of the hat to him. That is a big game. Coming back from the right leg contusion and playing well, staying out of foul trouble even when he did get a few um, early in the game and Cat gets to the free throw line 11 times. DA is able to stick it out and, and win the game, not foul out and still have an impact. So obviously he's a part of that. And then Chris Paul, 21 and eight. We'll talk about him more in the second segment. He's basically carving out the second segment as all his. We usually just do positives in that segment, but it's really just becoming the Chris Paul show. And last but not least, and certainly probably the most important of all three of these is Devin Booker. He started, I believe, 3 of 11 from the field, which means he made four of his last five shots. But most importantly, even within his box score numbers and the impact that he had on this game is that he got to the free throw line 15 times. And in a game where no shots are going in, the other team's turning the ball over, it's ugly, you don't have much of a sort of handle on the proceedings on the floor, you want to do something to take back control of the game. And the best way to do that, especially if you're a scorer like Devin Booker, is to get to the line, get easy points, slow the tempo down, get control of things. And that's what he did in the second and third quarters, especially. So obviously you do not win this game without the 29 points, but you definitely don't win this game without the 15 free throw attempts that Booker was able to get. And so you just look and it's figuring things out. It's handling these weird nights. It's handling the Back road back to back, the trap game, the end of the road trip, wanting to keep your streak alive, and just doing the things that you need to do to win these types of games. Sometimes it's not much more complicated than that. I will talk a little bit more about Aiden, want to hit Chris Paul, and talk a little bit more about Cam Johnson and the rotation as well. But I also want to tell you guys about Rock Auto with the tons and tons of models of cars these days you don't know exactly what you're getting you might know your general make of your car oh it's a 2011 this or that but you don't know if it's this trim package or that one or the le versus the se versus the plus you don't know so what they usually try to do is take advantage of you but what rock auto does is helps you they get that entire process that entire cluttered process out of your life by simplifying things, rockauto.com is a family business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. They really know what they're doing. They know how to make it easy. They know how to make it fast. They know how to make it cheap. And that's just what they do for you. So save even up to 100% part by part by shopping at Rock Auto rather than a retail store 
or heaven forbid, a dealership. Here's what you need to do. Go to rockauto.com, type in your car, scroll down to the part that you need, hit purchase, and it's at your door within days. When you are at rockauto.com right now, or when you're at rockauto.com making your purchase, put the phrase locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Today's show is also brought to you by Theragun. Don't let the stress of daily life weigh on your body. Whether you're an elite athlete or someone just like me trying to make it through the day tension-free, Theragun can help. Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power, all in a package as quiet as an electric toothbrush. Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good, it goes to the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. So, join the over 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid, as well as elite athletes like the Valley's own DeAndre Hopkins and me, by using and buying and checking out your very own Theragun. Try Theragun for 30 days, starting at only $199. Go to therabody.com slash locked on right now to get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's therabody.com slash locked on, therabody.com slash locked on. Keeping it rolling here, 99-96 win by the Suns over the Minnesota Timberwolves, squeaking it out, finishing when they needed to. The book jumper off of a Chris Paul dish in sort of semi-transition was one of the defining buckets of the game. Booker just stopping on a dime, rising mid-range, and that was all that it really took. Finish off the play. They, again, as I just got done talking about, took care of business. But a big part of how they were able to do that is Chris Paul. And he got a lot of attention. I talked about him quite a bit in terms of his um, defense and and sort of what is his role going to look like? What does it really mean for him to be an impactful defender at this point in his career? He did not necessarily do a ton on the defensive end tonight as far as creating turnovers, but... He continues to be incredible and continues to be methodical, I think is really the key word with his season so far. So we'd like to talk about the positives here in segment two. There have been, they've been in no short supply lately, but in this case, we got to do the offensive side of the ball for Chris Paul. And a few things. One, I completely screwed up here. I, it's my second straight day on the podcast giving you guys an apology and my second straight day giving you a Chris Paul related apology because I did not do his complete just destruction, just embarrassment of Usman Garuba of the Houston Rockets in last night's Sunday night's game justice. I didn't do it justice for you guys because it was one of the sickest, filthiest plays that I've ever seen. And it was an example of Chris Paul just toying with the entire Rockets roster, it felt like. He works the ball. You don't ever know which direction he's going in the mid-range, although he's obviously going to shoot rotating around his left shoulder, sort of the body going right, but then the rotation going left. But you don't know when he's going to pull up. You don't know if he's going to hit you with the cross, so you don't know, right? And you definitely don't know if you're Usman Garuba coming over from Spain in your first ever NBA season. And what Chris Paul did was work him left, cross back over right, and through his legs completely again eviscerate the young man. He did a follow-up act tonight 
coming down the floor in transition. Mind you, in a pretty significant moment in the game, this thing was far from, I mean, it wasn't ever in hand. The Suns were down most of this game, and yet Chris Paul going down the floor pretends, fakes a sort of like old school Harlem Globetrotters type of pass backwards through both of his legs almost like you would do in one of those between quarter dunk contest things that that they do as the in-game entertainment except instead of actually doing a pass like that he has the hesitation he has the one hand ball fake and he gets past the defender the only thing that screwed it all up was the shot barely rolled off the rim over the head of Carl Anthony Towns. It had the the slope, it had the bounce. The shot just didn't quite have the exact touch that it needed, so the highlight was incomplete. But as far as unfinished highlight plays, you don't get much better than that. And as a package of two highlight plays, the Garuba one and then this fake to, to, to Landry Shamit into a floater, you don't get much better than those two back-to-back especially if the dunk is not involved. I mean, just pure ball handling. It's about as good as it's going to get. And the funniest thing about the Landry Shamit highlight, the fake pass to Landry Shamit, I mean, in this game is that pass, that type of end transition on the fast break through the back of the leg thing, that's a pass only a few people would ever try in the first place. So he faked an incredible pass to make an even better dribble move and then almost finish the play, obviously, in a win, it feels a little bit more sweet. So, of course, uh, that's going to be what lingers here. But um, a huge tip of the hat to Chris Paul. Seven free throws in this game. Two of five from deep. There was one three where he had been passive. I think it was early on in the fourth quarter. He had passed up a couple shots. You could tell he was out there with a bench unit that included, I believe, Nader and Cam Johnson. He's trying to set his guys up. He's trying to you know, work the defense a little bit, massage things out, and then eventually... A few misses later, and he realizes, yeah, this isn't working. I got to do something else. Calmly catches the pass on the fast break. Left wing. Catch and shoot three. Beautiful. He made a couple more of his patented mid-range jumpers to help close this game out. Finishes with 21 points. So a Chris Paul love fest again in segment number two. Maybe I should just stop even saying, oh, this is where we talk about the positives and just completely give myself over to the legend of Chris Paul. Uh, a joy. I feel like I'm getting more used to watching Chris Paul, and it's not as much of a surprise. Maybe I'm not microanalyzing it like I was last year because there was so much of how are Chris Paul and Devin Booker going to coexist? What's it going to look like? Why are their net ratings so bad when they're on the floor together? You know, yada, yada, yada. And then now you just turn the game on and you're able to sit back and enjoy because there's not as much stress. They've gotten off to such a great start this season. There's less to analyze and you're able to just sort of love it. And and he makes watching these games such a blast. So the highlight, the steals, the, the shooting, the scoring, the leadership, the messing with the young players, all of it is a complete delight. This guy has been on a tear in, in a way that only he can be on a tear, a completely unique Chris Paul vintage, but also reinventing himself just I don't know what you're doing if you're listening to this and not watching the games. I appreciate that. I appreciate that you entrust me, but this is an audio medium. I cannot possibly do justice what this guy is doing. So go, just just check out like Google or put on YouTube while you're watching this on YouTube, 2021-22 Chris Paul highlights. Just from the first 
13 games this season. I'm sure there's a 15-minute video out there of highlights. So um, I will continue to sing the good word of Chris Paul just as you all continue to enjoy it. But there's more to get to. So we will close out with our bench mob vibe check as well as our Cam Johnson breakout watch, two of our usual closing segments here on the postgame shows. First, though, quick word from betonline.ag. BetOnline is back and better than ever for everything basketball and football all fall and winter long. They also have a new web interface, which means more odds, props, and lines than ever before and easier to get to than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for any basketball and football action you want this season. So head to that new updated website or their mobile app, make an account today, and when you do, use the promo code LOCKEDON when you make your first deposit to get a 50% welcome bonus. That's promo code LOCKEDON when you make your first deposit to get a 50% welcome bonus straight to your account. From basketball and football to the NHL, boxing, and UFC, even your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait. Take advantage of all the amazing offers available Throughout the rest of 2021 and beyond, bet online the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Closing out the show, thanks for making Locked On Suns your first listen. Getting caught up on all of your Suns games. Nine straight here, nine straight wins, 10 and 3 overall. Marching up the standings, piling up wins, as Chris Paul likes to say. So let's close this show out here, end on a good note. Um, well, I'll start on the, we have two things to talk about here. So I'll start on the bad one. We really can't end on a good note. Talking a little bit about the rotation, some optimism there. So Cam Johnson is the, the little bit of a sour note here. He is shooting so far from deep. Better than you would guess, but still below league average. 34% on 4.4 attempts per game. Tonight, he was one of six, which will bring that average percentage down. He is only averaging 7.3 points per game. His minutes have gone down, actually. And obviously, anyone who's turned on a Suns game would say, this is not the guy that we expected to see. Not the guy who we thought might build off of a pretty incredible conference finals and NBA finals last season. And maybe I thought push Jay Crowder for a starting or a closing spot in the Suns rotation. Maybe that still happens. We are still early yet, but it has not been pretty. What I wanted to do, though, more so than just look at that stuff, is to really dig deeper into the numbers and see like what is actually going wrong. Because, look, unless you are watching these games two and three times, it's very difficult to grade a player's impact overall on defense. Because unless they're Mikhail Bridges, or in this case, Chris Paul, it's very hard to kind of notice things. You know, Chris Paul generating turnovers, Mikhail Bridges being the warden, as Kevin Ray loves to call him, and just locking opposing players, opposing teams down. Aside from that stuff, you don't always notice it. I would even say DeAndre Ayton. You know, it, it, we like to say that he's made a lot of progress on defense, but He's still not a player who blocks a lot of shots. So I think Cam is even more under the radar um, in terms of what he does well is just sort of execute, be in the right spot, rotate the right way, stay in front of his man. That's not stuff that pops off the screen. What the numbers say, though, is that on the season, the main area where he's been worse has been offense. So I think when we're talking about playing time and, oh, you know, the Suns need help on the wing, I've seen that, which I don't quite agree with. I mean, we'll talk about it a little bit when I get to the rotation stuff in a second, but the most pressing thing about Cam Johnson is making the shots. 
And if you believe that he's probably the best shooter on this team, although that that is a pretty steep competition on this particular roster, Mikhail Bridges is the best in-game regular season shooter. You also have Landry Shaman and Devin Booker around, obviously, but this guy is an elite, elite shooter. And if you just trust that, which he hasn't been statistically elite for a, since his rookie season, but anyone who's watched this guy shoot, the fluidity, the quickness, the efficiency of motion, the, the touch, the range, he is an elite shooter. If you just have the faith that those shots are going to go in at some point, then you don't have much to worry about because defensive box plus minus, which is basketball references metric, he is basically exactly where he was over the course of 1,500 minutes last year. And he's not, I mean, it's basically been the same his whole career. Basketball reference, the, the box plus minus stuff grades him as a slight negative. Nothing terrible, but just slight, slightly worse than average. Now, Raptor, which is 538's number, they grade him as last year actually being a positive by quite a bit and a slight negative on offense, which does not back up the eye test at all, especially during the regular season where I think his offense was probably the one thing that, that did shine through and the defense might have been a little bit of a slip up. And then he made some more strides in the postseason last year as a defensive player. Maybe that's my memory failing me. I'm not going to pretend to have granularly watched every minute, but certainly don't think most people when they think of Cam Johnson think, yeah, you know, considerably above average defense, defensive player, slightly negative to average offensive player. I mean, that's not what you would think, but that actually gives you a little bit more optimism about the way that he can bounce back. Because again, if you think, okay, the defense, one metric says he's about the same as he was last year. The eye test says, fine, you know, not necessarily making strides defensively, but at least somebody we just saw be able to survive for heavy minutes in a final situation. Nothing to necessarily worry about. The offense in the complete red right now per 538's Raptor metric. Well, if he makes his shots, the offense goes back to normal. The defense starts to just trend back to the, the regular space that it was in last season. And you're talking about the same old Cam Johnson. So we like to do the Cam Johnson breakout watch. I think you guys have said you like that segment. I don't know. We're going to keep going with it because he's been a very interesting player so far this season. The breakout is clearly not here, but I also don't think we need to worry about him or about the Suns filling his spot in the rotation by any means after 300 or so minutes. I think he's going to be just fine. The Suns are still winning games despite the shots not going in, and they're they're actually going in just fine. They're you know around a third of his threes. That is a slump by his standards, but perfectly okay if you're just taking a 13-game sample. You would not be freaked out if it was anybody maybe but him and a handful of other guys on this team. So I'm not worried about Cam Johnson. I am worried about Abdul Nader. And I've been saying this for a while. This is the Benchmob vibe check. I need a sound effect or something, but we are here and we have to talk about Abdul Nader because the meme of me loving this guy last year and being an Abdul Nader stan, or I think I might have had a nickname for the fan club at one point, that was all fun and games. And it was actually pretty genuine. I thought he was overlooked last season by a lot of fans and somebody who could have really helped this team until the ACL injury and everything else and then getting thrown into the fire in the conference finals. That was weird. But I did think there was some promise. I thought it was smart of the Suns to retain him, to give him a little bit more than the minimum to come back here. I thought that 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 clearly signaled he was going to be a part of this rotation. He has been. I thought the continuity of getting to be uh, in a rotation again, you know, for basically 
a full off season and then going into a full season that that would get him some sturdiness under his feet. He played for Boston, then he played for the Thunder. He's never really caught on anywhere. And I thought that part would help. It hasn't seemingly done much at all to help. Maybe the injury stuff is still bugging him. I'm not really sure. People have been saying he's at least a positive on defense still. I disagree. I mean, I don't think he is an off an awful defensive player, but I, I mean, Monty Williams likes to talk up his on-ball defense. I'm not seeing anything. I mean, look, Raptor says that he's a plus 2.5 defensive player. Those, I mean, they start to get a little bit wonky. I'm not, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like, I do not watch these games and notice Abdul Nader being a profoundly positive defensive player. I think he has usefulness in terms of, you know, he can use his athleticism, he can create turnovers a little bit, but I don't know. I don't think that's enough of a reason to stay out there, especially because he doesn't get those assignments of actually stopping elite perimeter defense, elite perimeter offensive players. And the offense is just so bad that it doesn't make up for it. And maybe that's part of why I'm being harsh on the defense. Maybe the defense is way better than I'm giving it credit for, but he is such a negative force out there for perspective. Talking about defensive box plus minus, talking about Raptor today with Cam Johnson. The offense is minus 3.2, which is about as bad as Cam Johnson is in the extreme slump that that Cam is in. The, D, the offensive box plus minus has him as a minus 6, basically. Minus 5.7. That's about as bad as you will ever see on a winning team for a player who is actually getting minutes. That is atrocious, and it's not just because he's missing his shots, which he's doing. It's the fact that he's turning the ball over on a team-high 21% of possessions while he's on the floor. So 21 times out of 100 plays that Abdul Nader is involved in, he is turning the ball over. That's insane. You're never going to be an effective offensive player, especially with how little he has the ball in his hands. For him to be turning the ball over when he's hardly ever even being asked to dribble the ball is crazy. So he is such a negative. They need to fill that spot in the rotation. And that brings me to Frank Kaminsky. I mean, more accurately, it brings me to other guys around the NBA. We talked about a couple trade options last week. We talked about a few more the week before. I'll keep bringing guys up. That's the main place they need to plug the hole. They tried Frank Kaminsky for four minutes. He did not play the four, though. He played the five Basically, him and McGee split the 15 minutes of backup center minutes this in this game. So Aiton played 33. The two of them combined to play the other 15. So no Kaminsky at the four, which means Nader is still playing. What we could see would be a really big backup unit with Payne, Shamit, um, Johnson, Kaminsky, and McGee. I don't really love the Kaminsky-McGee stuff. I don't really know if that works. Maybe you can get away with Kaminsky in eight minutes, but then that's just clearly not going to be your best lineup. I think that the problem is Frank produces every time that he plays and Abdul is not producing. And so it's a very small problem when you're winning a bunch of games in a row, but they're also beating up on bad teams, as we talked about yesterday. So when they get tested against good teams, I think these problems could happen where they're going to not guard Abdul Nader, where his inability to create anything or do anything positive on offense so far this season will be a problem where Kaminsky not fitting into this lineup very easily could be a problem where they don't move the ball as well because Kaminsky's not out like these things are are small but they are rotational issues I think a trade is the most likely answer but also 
Nader just needs to play better. I mean, he's a better player than this. He needs to just be confident in his shot. He needs to make good decisions, give the ball up, not put himself into bad moments where he's turning the ball over and, and all that stuff. So fixable, I suppose. I definitely think it's fixable with Cam Johnson. They can easily get somebody better than Abdul Nader. That shouldn't be hard. And we'll see what happens with Kaminsky. But another couple of interesting games close out the week. Uh, the Dallas Mavericks on Wednesday. The Dallas Mavericks again on Friday. We won't have a recap show there since it is a Friday. And then Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets come into town on Sunday. Another early season. The Suns tend to play the Nuggets a lot early every year. Don't know why that is, but we have another interesting matchup on Sunday night. See if the Suns can go ahead and uh, keep their pedal down against this Nuggets team. That A little bit of a budding rivalry. Hopefully we get, we get a good one there. But keep it right here all week. Locked on Suns, your first listen. Enjoy your Tuesday. I'll talk to you tomorrow.